वेलकम टू द सीएफए सोसाइटी इंडिया पॉडकास्ट वेर सोसाइटी मेंबर्स एंगेज इन कॉन्वर्जेशंस विद इंडस्ट्री एक्सपर्ट्स टू ब्रिंग यू यूनिक इनसाइट्स दिस बाय मंथली पॉडकास्ट इज अवेलेबल ऑन योर फेवरेट पॉडकास्ट चैनल एंड नाउ लेट्स डाइव इनटू टुडेस एपिसोड थैंक यू एवरीबॉडी फॉर ट्यूनिंग इन टू द सीएफए सोसाइटी इंडियाज पॉडकास्ट एपिसोड टुडे वी हैव अ वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग टॉपिक on real estate investment trusts or reits as they are called and who better to speak about reits than vishal chandirmani vishal is the chief operating officer and managing partner products at trust plutus wealth managers he has over 17 years of work experience in financial services and consulting and has worked with marquee firms like relegate macari wealth ask wealth advisors and mckinsey and company before joining uh, trust plutus He's an MBA from the SPJN College or Center of Management, and is also a chartered financial analyst from the CFA Institute. So, as you can see, Vishal is the right person to talk to us about REITs. But Vishal, before we actually get on to the meaty topic of REITs, I would like to ask a little bit about yourself and tell us, you know, something that is interesting that most people don't know about you on the personal front. Um, thanks, Andeep, for having me on the show. Um, you know so i have been part of trust plutus now f- since the company was formed in december 2010 a lot of people may not know is that i like listening to you know old bollywood songs and uh, you know it's something that helps me unwind and uh, you know uh, just kind of uh, you know relax at the end of a stressful day or during the weekends lovely lovely so probably at the end of this podcast we will play a very good bollywood song for you uh, before we close but sure. uh, now let's move on to the main topic of the day and before we again jump on to the real estate investment trust i would like to know a little bit more about trust plutus's approach towards managing your clients wealth sure so um you know the first step in terms of managing anybody's wealth is to understand the risk appetite of a client um and maybe talk of a client we're talking of a family over here Uh, uh apart from risk profile to understand the time horizon of the investments um and accordingly create a suitable asset allocation for the investors and once you have created the asset allocation you know most of these hni families already have existing investments so what you need to do is uh, you know check whether the existing allocation is in line with what is recommended and suggest suitable changes in the allocation uh you drill down one step further the allocation gets broken up into various products so if you say there should be an x percentage in equities um you know you could invest into equities through multiple routes uh direct equities mutual funds pms aifs etc right so um that's the next level of drill down and again evaluate the quality of investments in the existing portfolio vis-a-vis what you would recommend once you've done that and curated the portfolio it's an ongoing exercise in terms of monitoring the portfolio and rebalancing from time to time because markets do change uh, uh you know views on various asset classes do change so it is something which is not a one time activity but a constant uh, ongoing process and that's what we typically follow in terms of constant review of portfolios and giving recommendations to our investors lovely great so very good vishal uh, so while most of us investors know a lot about investing in mutual funds equity fixed income and other products but real estate investment trusts or reits or in in your infrastructure investment trusts or invits are a very relative new investment option in india 
could you put uh, elaborate a bit more on what they are and how they work sure so while reits are a relatively new concept in india they have been around as investment products in the developed markets now for several decades very simply put a reit or a real estate investment trust is basically a portfolio of real estate assets uh, which generate income and provide you know regular distributions to investors um in the indian context the reits which uh, you know have hit the markets comprise of commercial properties uh, as opposed to residential because like we are aware that in india and mainly in the tier 1 markets given the high cost of residential properties the yields on residential real estate are extremely low so bulk of the reit portfolios that are there in india comprise of commercial real estate where the yields are reasonably attractive from an investment point of view um however in the developed markets you could have reits which also comprise of uh, residential assets condominiums etc so it is an asset class which is uh, far more evolved in the developed markets and is pretty new in the indian markets the first reit ipo happened in 2019 which was the embassy reit so it's just a four year old asset class but something where awareness is in- increasing pretty rapidly and so is participation perfect perfect so this is something very useful for a lot of our audience as well so what vishal was mentioning is residential assets where a bulk of the indian population has their investment as per an rbi report 76.9% of indians wealth is invested in residential real estate which gives a paltry 2 to 3% but tell me vishal why have the indian retail investors or family offices not invested in reits to the proportion that they should have why is still 76.9% of household wealth still invested in residential real estate what is your opinion on this so it's a um, changing trend like we said it's a new asset class right it's been in existence only for 4 years uh, that was the first ipo and then you've had a couple of more reits getting listed in due course um investing into direct real estate and residential real estate has been one of the favorite asset classes for indian investors right if you see historically you know traditionally most indian investors would invest in properties or in gold and that has changed over time um, you know it'll it'll take some time for you know people to not invest in direct real estate but invest in reits which is also an investment in real estate but in a demat form which is easier to invest into smaller units smaller ticket sizes etc so there are several advantages of investing in reits um, but it will take time for people to adapt to that change and to understand because again it's a portfolio of commercial real estate as opposed to residential and somewhere the indian population also has this notion of you know when you own an asset you can touch and feel the asset or stay in the asset right which doesn't happen in any of your uh, uh, you know demat oriented investments whether it's shares or mutual funds etc so that mental shift has to happen to investing into real estate also in a dematerialized form and in a portfolio form rather than a physical asset absolutely so i think that is also the reason why only 2 to 5% of indians have ever participated in the capital markets because i believe there is a trust deficit people like to touch and feel their investments uh, so i definitely understand that definitely but what are the advantages and disadvantages in your opinion on direct investments versus investment through a portfolio approach like a reit so one of the main advantages of 
you know, investing through REITs is, um, you know, the benefit of fractionalization of investments. So what happens is that today, if I have to invest in real estate directly, whether it is a residential property or a commercial property, I would need to invest a few crores of rupees. And even in that case, my investment will be concentrated in a single asset. So I don't get the benefit of diversification. Um, in a REIT, as we mentioned, it's a portfolio of commercial uh, real estate properties, which are located across several geographies in the country. So, and the investment ticket sizes are similar to shares. So you can buy one unit of a REIT. Uh, the, uh, the units are listed on the exchange, so the price keeps fluctuating, but the cost of a REIT unit could be as low as 300 rupees to 400 rupees a unit, right? Um, so you could invest 10,000, 15,000, a few lakhs, whatever the amount might be in a in a REIT and get an exposure to a portfolio of probably eight to 10 or more uh, commercial assets through that single investment. So you get the benefit of diversification uh, and diversification here is not just, uh, you know, uh, saying that instead of one property you're investing in 10 properties, but also in terms of location, because these 10 properties would be located in different parts of the country. So through a small amount, you're diversifying the geographical risk as well. Um, the other advantage is that, as we mentioned, you know, you rightly stated some statistics from the RBI report and the fact that, uh, uh, you know, yields on residential properties are hardly two to 3%. In the case of REITs, uh, the way the regulations have been framed, uh, more than 80% of the investment portfolio of a REIT needs to be in ready, readily constructed uh, properties which are already income generating. Also, more than 90% of the cash flows, the net distributable cash flows need to be paid out on a regular basis to investors. So these are some of the regulations uh, that SEBI has put in place when it comes to REITs in India. Um, you know, you, if you look at the, the yields on REITs, they are in the range of about 63 to 6.5% at current market prices on a post-tax basis, right? Compare this to a scenario where your GSEC is tenure GSEC is currently at about seven seven point one on a pre-tax basis, and despite interest rates having risen, uh, you have corporate bonds which are you know rated in the AA or, uh, category at about eight to nine percent of yields. Now these are all pre-tax, and if you apply a marginal tax rate, you'll probably go below the six and a half four percent that a, a REIT would give you on a post-tax basis. So even from a yield point of view. Uh, REITs are a lot more attractive as compared to some of the traditional uh, fixed income investment alternatives. Um, the other uh, benefit is that the underlying unit value of a REIT could also appreciate over time as they add more assets to the portfolio, right? You could see an appreciation in the underlying value REIT units because at the end of the day, it's a portfolio of real estate assets and that could lead to some amount of capital appreciation as well. So these are the various benefits of investing in REITs as compared to directly investing in real estate. Absolutely. Just to summarize some very interesting points by Vishal in this last session. So A, you will get yields of 7 to 6 to 7% post-tax. So this is a very important point versus what you would get 2 to 3% in residential. Second, at a very minimal ticket size, 300, 400 rupees, uh, investor can now invest in a portfolio of commercial assets worth hundreds of crores of rupees. So that is something which is really, really attractive. And, you know, you have a diversified pool. Also, from a risk-adjusted perspective, like Vishal mentioned, 
80% of the rental revenue that these REITs earn has to be paid out to the investors. So it is not that your rental income is going to be stopped or, you know, these are pre-rented units. So what then happens is you definitely have cash flows coming in. You get capital appreciation on the underlying real estate as well. So this is actually a very, very good product. And could you also shed some light on the total returns that have been there uh, in the products that have kind of uh, been launched since 2019, like you mentioned? Sure. So in fact, what's happened, Sandeep, is that in the last uh, six to eight months, we've actually seen the, you know, the prices of REITs correct quite a bit. And one of the reasons for this is there were some proposals during the budget uh, in terms of taxation on these distributions, which you know, kind of created some uncertainty and affected the uh, prices of REITs. They reacted negatively post the budget announcement in Feb. However, some of these uh, amend proposed amendments were then reversed during the final uh, finance bill that was passed uh, post the representations that were made. The second factor that has affected the uh, the the price of REITs in the last few months or, or the last year or so is that interest rates have gone up globally and in India as well. A REIT is a quasi-debt instrument, right? We are talking of yields over here. So what happens is that the as you know the interest rates go up in the economy, the the yield on the REITs to keep in line with the prevailing interest rates need to also rise and for yields to rise the price needs to come off it's it's similar to the uh, you know the the math that you have for a bond so prices have come off given uh, you know given these two factors um, despite that if i look at you know say a couple of reits so embassy is currently trading at close to the ipo price itself so you're getting a, a reit today after 4 years at the same price at which it, which at which it ipo'd 4 years back uh, Mindspace is a little bit above the IPO price. Uh, the IPO was at around 275 rupees for Mindspace. It's currently at about 305. And uh, this IPO was in 2020 or so, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, in 2020. Um, despite that, you know, like I said, as per the regulations, they need to distribute 90% of the cash flows. And these REITs have been making you know, payouts every quarter. So if I, so there are two components of return. One is the capital appreciation and the distribution income. So in case of an embassy, although the capital appreciation is zero, they have been distributing close to, you know, a six, six and a half percent post-tax on an annualized basis. So that would be the return on the embassy uh, REIT. And in case of Mindspace, the return, including the capital appreciation would be close to 10%. So that is the kind of returns that, you know, the REITs have generated over this limited time frame that they've been, uh, you know, present in the Indian markets. Absolutely. So seems to be a very attractive product because if you really look at it, there is hard underlying real estate underneath REITs and also it is diversified pool of assets. But of course, is there a way to identify which are the better promoters or which are the better REITs? So if you were to invest your investors' money, how do we evaluate between the different options out there, between the different uh, companies that have taken out their reads? So a few factors that we would look at is one is obviously the pedigree of the promoters. Uh, you know, some of these reads that have been uh, launched in India have, you know, excellent promoters. So embassy, the embassy read was promoted by Blackstone. Uh, Mindspace has got K Rahija group as 
you know the sponsors um and even uh, uh the the most recent reit which reit which came was the nexus select trust reit which is actually a portfolio of malls and that again as blackstone as the uh, promoter of the reit so you've had uh, high pedigree promoters uh, brookfield was the other which had come out in between so again you know global institutions are you know sponsoring these reits or even a raheja group for example are all high quality names uh, so we have comfort on that side what we would look at in terms of differentiations are you know when we look at this portfolio of commercial assets where are these assets located which are the geographies in the country what is our view on those geographies from a real estate point of view or a commercial real estate point of view um that is one aspect to look at the second aspect to look at is what is what are the tenancy rates or the occupancy rates across this portfolio of properties obviously a, a reit where most of the units have a high occupancy rate would be preferred over a reit where even the the projects have a lower occupancy rate because obviously a lower occupancy would lead to lower distributions um you would also look at what is called the weighted average uh, lease tenure of all the tenants and what is the weighted average yield that you're getting um so these are some of the factors you look at and other thing that you look at is what is the composition of the distribution that the reit intends to make so uh, getting a little technical in terms of when we spoke about you know regular distributions by reits um when a reit distributes the income uh, all these reits distribute it on a quarterly basis um the distributions could be in the form of three sources so it could be in the form of dividend income it could be in the form of interest income and it could be in the form of return of capital um interest income is the simplest to understand and is taxed at the marginal rate of taxation just like any other fixed income investment that you do um in case of return of capital is not taxable right now but we can uh, you know kind of uh, discuss this in a little more detail going forward because this was the technical part in the budget which actually led to some disappointment um dividends in case of reits the regulation states that if the reit itself has opted for the new tax regime then the dividend will be taxable in the hands of the investors but if the reit has opted for the old tax regime then dividends are tax free in the hands of the investors okay so this is a big differentiating factor because like we know uh, over the last couple of years dividends from direct equities have become taxable at the marginal rate from direct equities in the case of reits this exception is still there where the dividend could be tax free now there are a couple of reits like the embassy and mindspace reit where the dividends are tax free in the hands of the investors in the case of a brookfield reit the dividend is taxable in the hands of investors so it is for each reit to decide on the composition of distribution and within that whether the dividend will be taxable or non taxable and this becomes an important factor that you look at when you evaluate because one is to look at the distribution which is a function of the occupancy levels in the projects but that distribution again is at a gross level what is important to see is then on a post tax level what is the return that i'm making absolutely and that is where you also look at distinguishing between different rates and the composition of the taxability and non taxable aspects of the distribution great to hear an expert like vishal on this topic because this makes a significant impact on what you would suggest 
to different types of clients with different tax brackets. Because if it is taxable in the hands of the investors or not, depending on their tax bracket, it would make a significant impact on which REITs they should invest in compared to the other REITs that they should uh, not invest in. So definitely, uh, this is a very, very important point. And uh, thank you so much, Vishal, for sharing those nuggets. Sure. And uh, again, before we started, you mentioned that you look at uh, overall, uh, you know, the goals of the, uh, the portfolio of the investor before you start. So would I be correct in saying that while REITs are giving good dividend returns, uh, the historical performance of the REITs today has not really given too much of capital appreciation, which is also a function of the capital of the capital price of the underlying real estate. But having said that, uh, can what category of uh, stocks would REITs kind of compare to? Would it be like a mid cap or a small cap or a large cap? Can it ever be a multi bagger? Uh, what is your opinion on that? Okay, so uh, Sandeep, just to clarify one point, I think I mentioned that in case of Brookfield, the dividend is uh, taxable. I think it's partially taxable and partially taxable on the different uh, SPVs that they have, right? Um, so it's there is a small amount of tax-free uh, yield in case of Brookfield as well, but it's much larger in case of Embassy and Mindspace. Um, coming to your question, um, you know, and I think this is where there is generally a misconception about REITs. Um, you know, I would actually not classify or look at a REIT as an equity product to kind of classify it within, you know, a large cap or a mid cap or small cap. To my mind, a REIT is a, like I said, it, it's a hybrid in, instrument which has characteristics of equity and characteristics of debt. Uh, the debt characteristic is basically the uh, regular distributions that are made. So it's similar to a bond where, you know, a bond would pay a coupon and the REITs would make a regular distributions, which is similar to a coupon. If you, if you were to so consider it, just that the amount that is being distributed is not fixed and uh, depends on the overall collections that a REIT gets, which is again, a function of various factors. Like we discussed the tenancy rates, et cetera, right? Um, that is uh, one aspect. So that has more of a fixed income kind of a characteristic. The fact that the underlying units price can go up or down is to an heuristic, unlike a bond where the bond prices also do go up and down in terms of market value, but eventually a bond has a maturity date and redeems at par. Uh, in case of a REIT, technically these are units with an infinite life. Uh, and you know the... Uh, for for an investor to exit, you would sell your units on the exchange. So you could have a capital gain or loss. Um, what we have seen is th that REITs will typically be more of those steady state uh, investment products, which should somewhere fit in your hybrid category of, if I were to so say as mutual funds. Uh, so the yield comes to say six and a half to 7% post tax, you add some capital gains, you could end up with a CAGR of anywhere between 10 to 13% in the long term. So that's how I would look at it and not really look at this as an investment when I'm expecting the underlying to kind of, you know, uh, give me a multi-bagger kind of a CAGR. Correct, correct, exactly. It's a more steady product. It's got a little bit of a exactly. stability. Uh, while not exactly secure like a bond with a fixed uh, coupon, uh, the coupon is more or less uh, stable especially True. with the rental leases of commercial being more sticky, uh, given Correct. that the tenants have to invest significant amount of capital in the fit-outs of the assets that they take on lease. Absolutely. Perfect. So that 
that's great but you know uh, as you be aware that there are various life cycles of different assets and different products while commercial real estate in india is relatively stable uh, it has not uh, it has not tanked but you know globally there has been a lot of turmoil and uh, the commercial real estate globally is uh, kind of in a little bit of a peril uh, what is your opinion in the indian uh, landscape how stable or how volatile is this asset class in terms of uh, underlying capital values yeah so you know like i said it's been quite volatile in the last few months and prices have actually come off by 15 to 20% for reits um and you could attribute it to multiple factors because uh most of these assets i think there is absolutely no issue in terms of the quality of the asset these are all grade a commercial properties and some of the best commercial properties you could possibly have in the country that are that are part of these reits and i'm talking about across the reits the quality of assets is you know a uh, grade a so there's no question on the quality of assets um certain aspects which affect or have affected this asset class are uh, you know the global slowdown and the high uh, the hike in interest rates now one of the largest tenants in case of these commercial properties across the reits are global it companies and it as a sector itself is seeing a slowdown given the rise in interest rates globally so as a result you would have some uncertainty in terms of whether these companies will uh you know renew their leases or uh you know also uh, lease out an additional space an office space and that would typically happen if you know the it sector is booming and given that there's a slowdown there you kind of see some impact of that um the second thing is like we said as interest rates rise in an economy um you know the yields on the reits will also have to rise to kind of keep pace with other fixed income yields and the only way yields go up is if the price comes down uh so you know that has affected the capital appreciation uh similar to what would have happened if you were holding a bond so the market price of the bond would have come down when interest rates are rising in the economy so that is the second factor um the third factor that is affected um you know the the price of reits is that many of these reits are also expanding their portfolios so embassy for example has uh you know 7 to 8 million square feet which is still under construction and development once that gets completed you will have additional space to lease out and earn uh rental incomes from but while they are undergoing this construction they do raise debt to acquire the additional land parcels as well as for the construction so there is a cost of interest that gets built in and whatever rentals you collect you need to first take care of the interest cost and then you have the net distributable amount right. so as interest rates go up again the 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 uh, cost of debt goes up so you know in the short term there could be some uh, you know hiccups over there uh, so there are these various factors which you know kind of have acted as uh, negatives for this asset class um but i'm not too concerned about them i think if you look at it from a long term point of view despite you know all these challenges the asset class is still giving you 6 and a half to 7% post tax even if i take out the capital appreciation part and keep it at nil so it, uh, from that point of view i think it's extremely attractive um one other thing to keep in mind uh, sandeep is that uh you you rightly mentioned that the uh, the lease rates are most sticky when it comes to commercial properties typically tenants have you know a 5 year 7 year lease agreement and what happens is when these leases come up for renewals there is a certain amount of escalation that gets built in because over those years the price is probably below what is the prevailing uh, lease prices in the micro market so the moment leases get renewed you will see a, a, a sudden jump or an uptick in the 
collect collections that happen which also reprices the amount that is being distributed and these happen in cycles so it happens with a lag so once all these things get factored in over a longer period of time i think it's an extremely attractive asset class that you know one can invest into and i look at it positively that you're getting you know the same asset at a price which which it was at 4 years back uh you know and the fact that they've added more square feet of uh, uh leasable area over the last 4 years so to me it's similar to the equity markets giving you an opportunity to enter at a lower level no absolutely so vishal has uh, painted a very good landscape in a canvas wherein there are so many multiple factors that determine the price of the each so one of course is the kind of rentals that are being earned uh, but there is also an interest component that may be offset offsetting some of the rentals because there are additions of space uh, that are coming in you know the uh, the rates are kind of expanding and they're taking debt for that that debt has an interest cost uh, which kind of would get then nullified against the rentals currently being collected but despite that they're still giving a 6 to 7% yield so whenever these projects are completed uh, the completed projects a will kind of uh, uh, again start generating revenues and should push up the yields and hence the uh underlying price of the reit as well so pretty interesting uh play of dynamics going on over there and uh, thank you vishal for giving the experts view and insights into this so i think that's something very interesting would you like to add anything else any myths or mis- misconceptions you like to bust or you know what are the common mistakes that investors do while making investments in reits anything that you would like to share uh, beyond whatever i have asked i think one of the most common mistakes i have come across when any of these reits have come to the market during the ipos is that being a new asset class i understand that the awareness is limited but uh, you know i've heard of a lot of cases where uh, this asset class during the ipo is being sold as an equity ipo and you know the in turn the expect the return expectation from investors is that you know i can sell this on listing and make a quick buck you know just like you would do in probably equity ipos when you know the ipo market is good um so someone would invest take leverage and invest also and think that you know i'll make 10% on listing or 15% on listing like possibly you could do in some equity ipos but and and then those kind of investors have actually faced disappointments when the units have actually listed um you know i think it's important to understand that this is not equities it is you know like i've been saying it's a, a hybrid a uh, product which has some characteristics of equity and some of debt and is a lot more stable than equity so you should not be expecting any listing pop in this kind of an asset class and you know kind of taking too much too much of leverage and investing purely to sell on the listing day and make some quick gains i don't think that really happens in the case of reits so i think that is a big myth that people have and you know uh, you'll probably burn your fingers more often than not if you invest from that perspective uh invest in it as a long term uh uh you know product where the primary aim is to earn the the uh, the rental income or the yields uh look at it from that point of view look at it as you know uh an asset class which can give you regular income there are lots of investors who do depend on uh, uh you know regular cash flow to meet various uh, uh expenses or other needs uh this is an excellent tool through which you can kind of get part uh, you know part of those uh cash flows and unlike bonds uh you know which typically pay interest on you know most bonds would pay interest on an annual basis some pay it on a uh uh half yearly basis or quarterly basis but 
in the case of REITs, they have quarterly distribution. So you get the income while it is say six and a half, seven percent post-tax per annum, but at least the income keeps coming in every quarter. So the frequency of cash flow is uh, you know, a lot more here. So one should look at it from that point of view and as a stable asset class, uh, you know, and invest into it. No, absolutely. So by some estimates, there are $2 trillion worth of retail investors' money in fixed deposits in India. So, and of course, India is a capital scarce nation. So if some little part of that, a little sliver of that is reinvested in the infrastructure and commercial real estate of India, I'm sure it'll go a long way to develop the country as well. Absolutely. Right. Because, you know, just to elaborate on what you're saying is why would a, a developer look at bringing a REIT in the first place is because it helps him, you know, um, release some of his cash flows by issuing these units. And that same cash flow can be used to build new projects. So it helps in obviously the evolution of the entire industry and, you know, uh, the development of the country. Absolutely. So till now, I think the only exit route for commercial developers used to be the global private equity players like the Brookfields and Blackstones of the world. And they are actually the biggest landlords of India today, if you look at it, because they have consumed a lot of the commercial real estate out there. But happily, what is happening is they are also offloading part of that to the retail investors in India to circulate the capital back. So that's very nice to know and hear. And uh, thank you so much, Vishal, for the uh, great insights during this session. And thank you all the listeners for tuning in and spending your precious time on this. Hope you found this useful and stay tuned for more episodes that are going to be coming up shortly. And uh, I would like to take a quick uh, moment to also thank all the volunteers of CFA Society India for getting me and Vishal together here to take this session for you. And uh, thank you so much for all the volunteers uh, for spending your precious time and organizing this. That's about it. And uh, see you next time for the next podcast. Then. Thank you so much, Sandeep. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Share your feedback by sending a DM on social media. Stay tuned for the next episode.